This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Bik. Today is Monday, Yom Shini, the 22nd day of Shvat. And I'm hoping that you had a very pleasant, very peaceful, and a very enjoyable Shabbat. This Shabbat, when uh, we were leaving, uh, leaving Shur, I davened in the Yeshiva, in Yeshivat Haratzion. So my son, who just finished Sefer Melachim, uh, asked me, it's been bothering him for a while, it's, he asked me for the third time in the last two weeks, how I understood the fact that in Sefer Malachim you have basically a, a mark, you have a, a, a uh, summation given to every single king. And in the middle period, not the children of Yoshiao, but the kings before that, most of them actually are good kings with the exception of Menashe. Nonetheless, you find parallel to that that the prophecies that have been given to the prophets at that time are very prophecies of destruction. It bothers him very much, even when a king is good. The prophet comes and says, Yushalayim will be destroyed, and 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 nothing will help, and and we're heading just in a downward a downward path. There seems to be no correlation between the state of the Jews of the Jewish kingdom, as defined in Sefer Malachim, and the prophecies that have been given at the same time. It disturbs them very much. Uh, so as we were walking out, we were talking about this, looking at different possibilities. So we met Rav Yaakov Meidan. The uh, Rosh Hashiva, the new Rosh Hashiva of Yeshivat Haaretzion, and my son asked him this question, and Rabbi Dan pointed out a very interesting uh, fact, which he proposed as part of the solution. It is a solution, but I think it raises another question. He pointed out that Sefer Malachim has only one criteria for the the mark, for the final mark given to a reign of a king, and that is Avodazara idolatry. It's slightly more complicated. There are three kinds of kings: those who are idolaters those who worship God. In between, there is a reflection on the Bamot. Even when they were worshipping God, but the Jews practiced to uh, worship God, to bring sacrifices outside of Yushalayim on private on private uh, altars, which is forbidden. And that's sort of a gray area. It's You're worshipping God in your head, but you're not worshipping God the way He wants to be worshipped, which is basically also not worship of God. But that's the only criteria that Sefer Malachim was interested in. If we look at the Nevi'im, Yishayahu, and Yumiyahu, we find a great emphasis, in fact, even an obsession, with the social conditions in Israel, with murder and stealing and oppression and the widows and the orphans and, and mutual responsibility of the Jews to each other. And that's presented in many, many Prakim as being the reason why God is upset and ultimately going to destroy the the Jewish kingdom. So therefore, Ramadan pointed out that your picture is, is warped. If you're only judging by Sefer Malachim, it appears to be out of whack. But if you see it in a larger context, perhaps the picture is clear. Of course, this only raises a different question. Why is, in fact, Sefer Malachim only interested in idolatry when that's not the true picture? It's not even the most critical picture because the most important thing that's going to take place will be, in fact, the destruction of Bayit Rishon, of the first temple and the first kingdom. That's what Jewish history is about. And that's basically not reflected in the primary historical book of the Tanakh about this. So I'm leaving with you, this, this question with you, as something to reflect on. It's something that's in my mind now because we spent Shabbat talking about this. And we will proceed to our regular Shia, which today, Monday, is the Shia of Rabbi Yair the next installment in Hilchot Barachot. After the share, I will, as usual, will be back with the Halakha Yomit. In last week's share, we discussed the bracha that one makes 
on Perot Ha'etz, on Perot Ha'adama, Bari Pre'etz and Bari Pre'adama. We discussed what happens if one takes those fruit or vegetables and one destroys their form, if one takes an apple and makes applesauce out of it, if one takes an apple and cooks it, does it retain its birchas apri, or does one make the bracha of shakon yeh bidvaro? In today's year, we're going to discuss the case of, of, of fruit juices. If one takes a fruit or a vegetable and squeezes it or cooks it and its juices leaves the vegetable, what bracha does one make on those juices? Uh, regarding this issue, there's Gemara on 38a on Daflamir Ches Aleph, which says as follows, the Amar Mabra Vashi, Hai Dufshe the Tamrin, Mavarchen Iluya Shakonia Bidvaro, my Taima Zeaba Almahu. If one takes uh, the juice or Dvash, more of a honey like uh, substance, from Tmarim, from dates, the bracha that one makes is not the Birchos Apri, Bori Priya Eitz, but rather one makes the bracha Shakonia Bidvaro. My Taima, what is the reason? Zeya Baalmahu, the juice or the Dvash, is merely considered like sweat of the food. It's not an integral part of the food itself. The Gemara continues, Kiman, who does this psak go like? Regarding all kinds of juices from fruit, according to Rabbi Lezer, if one took fruit, which had a din of truma, which has Kedusha's truma, and somebody who is not a Kohen, a Zar, drank the juices of these fruit, there's a machokis among the Tanaim. The, the Tanaim disagreed. According to Rabbi Lezer, it's considered as if he ate truma. And therefore, the punishment for somebody who eats truma, somebody who's not a Kohen, who eats truma, is to pay not only the worth of the truma itself, but to add a chomesh, to add a fifth on top of what he ate. That's according to Rabbi Lezer. In other words, according to Rabbi Lezer, fruit juices are considered the fruit itself, and just like the fruit is considered truma, so too the juices have a din of truma as well. Rabbi Yoshua Potter, however, Rabbi Yoshua says, he does not have to pay Karen Bechomesh, he does not have to pay anything, because the juices of the fruit are not considered to be truma. And I quote Rashi, Rabbi Yoshua Poter, the Zea Ba'almahu, it's merely sweat, the Ein Shein Truma Chal Alam. It's not defined as Truma whatsoever. However, this din has to be analyzed in the context of the Mishnah at the beginning of the Perak, 35a. The Mishnah over there says as follows Ketzan Mivarchim Ala Perot, how does one make a bracha over Perot, over fruit? On fruit of the tree, he says Bari Pre'ates. With the exception of wine, for on wine he makes the bracha of a Bari Pre'agapen. Now it's interesting that the Gemara looked at wine as an exception to the general rule of the bracha that one makes on Perota Eitz. An exception to the rule of Bari Pre'ates. However, wine, as we know, is the juice that comes out of the grape. And therefore, wine, had it not had a special bracha, should have been a shakon yebidvaro. The Mishnah should have said that on things which normally get a shakon yebidvaro, the bracha is shakon, 
except with the exception of wine, which gets a bari priagafen. But that's not what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah looks at wine as an exception to the general rule of a bari priagafen. The assumption that, or the conclusion that we come to from this formulation of the Mishnah is that had wine not gotten a special bracha of bari priagafen, the bracha would have been bari priagafen. And in fact, the halacha is that if one made the bracha of Bari Priya 8 on wine, one fulfills his, his obligation. One is Yalte, and one does not have to repeat the bracha of Bari Priya Now it's clear that if one made the bracha of Bari Priya 8 on other fruit juices, which are considered Zeya Ba'ama, which are only considered as sweat, then one wasn't Yalte. If one took a piece of meat and made a bracha of Bari Priya 8, he is not Yalte. Similarly, if one took the, the juices that came out of an apple, apple juice, and one made a bari per eight, he would not fulfill his requirement, and we would have to repeat the bracha of bari per eight. If one made a lesser bracha, when one had to do a, a better bracha, then one fulfilled his requirement. If one made a bari per eight, and one had to make a better bracha of bari per gafen, one fulfills the requirement. So you see that the basic bracha, that one should have made on wine is a bari pra eight, even though wine is simply the juices that come out of the of the grape. Similarly, the Gemara on thirty five b, Lamed Hayimid Bay, says clearly that the bracha that one makes on olive oil on shemen zayit is bari pra eight, even though shemen zayit olive oil is the juice that's squeezed out of the olive. The Gemara has a whole discussion. Under what conditions would one want to drink olive oil plain, such that the bracha would be a bari prayer eight? Nevertheless, the Gemara is explicit that when one drinks olive oil in the proper manner that would demand a bracha, the bracha should be a bari prayer eight. And therefore we find that both the Mishnah and Daf Lamed Hay Aleph, as well as the Gemara and Daf Lamed Hay Bet, seem to suggest that the bracha that one makes on fruit juices is the Birch HaSapri, Bari Pra 8. And this, at first glance, seems to contradict the Gemara and Daf Lamed Chesimer Aleph, which says clearly that that juices of fruit is considered Zeya Ba'alma, is merely considered some kind of a sweat, it's not an integral part of the Pri itself. There are two possible ways that we can resolve this contradiction. One possibility is that everything is a function of the norm. If one grows grapes and olives mainly for their juices, therefore the juice of the olive or the juice of the, of the grape, i.e. wine or olive oil, is considered the fruit of the olive tree, is considered the fruit of the vine. Bari pre-agafen, this is the pre of the gafen. The gafen is the vine. Because the, pe- the reason that people grow a vineyard is in order to produce wine. Therefore, specifically, in cases of an olive tree, or in the specific case of a vineyard, where the main purpose for growing the grapes and growing the olives is for the juices, in that situation, the juice itself is considered the pre. However, when one grows apples, the main reason that one grows apples is not for apple juice, but to eat apples. So if one takes those apples and makes juice out of it, the bracha will nevertheless remain 
the bracha would be shakol yevet If this were true, then it would be possible that there may be other examples also where the Jews would nevertheless uh, be considered a pre. For instance, what about oranges? If nowadays most people grow oranges in order to make juice, would then the bracha, the orange juice, be bari pre'ets? Or if there were specific oranges that are grown specifically and known as juice oranges, and they're grown specifically for making juice, in that situation, would the bracha be bari pre'ets? Or would it be shakol niyabit If the only difference between olive oil, wine on the one hand, and other fruit juices on the other hand, is a question of norm, what it's normally grown for, then is it possible that as a uh, situation changes, as the norm is regarding other fruit, that they're being grown for their juices rather than for the fruit itself, the bracha may, may change as well. This basically is the, is the opinion of the Rashbah. The Rashbah seems to suggest that the only reason that juices do not get the bracha of a birchas apri is because they're not grown for the purpose of the juice. And therefore the juice is considered zeh ba'alma. The implication being that if one would grow it for the purpose of the juice itself, then the juice would be an integral part of the pre, or maybe the main part of the pre, and therefore the bracha on the juice would be a birchos hapri. The chazonish, following the lead of the Rashbah, questions whether or not the situation that existed at, at the time of the Gemara can change, and therefore, even though at the time of the Gemara, oranges may not have been grown for their juices, nowadays that oranges are grown for their juices, the bracha may very well be bore pre That's one possible way of resolving the contradiction between the Mishnah and Daflam and Hamad Aleph and the Gemara and Daflam and Chesimad Aleph. The second possibility is to suggest that there's an objective difference between wine and olive oil on the one hand and other fruit juices on the other. There's a Mishnah in Trumos in the 11th Perik, the third Mishnah, which says as follows, Ein osim t'marum devash, velo tapuchin yayin, velo sitonios chometz, ushal kol peros ein mishan motam ebriyatan, v'truma uvmaser sheni, one is not allowed to take fruit of truma or of maser sheni and squeeze them for their juices and then drink their juices. One must eat them as a fruit. With one exception, that exception is zeitim va'anavim. One is allowed to take olives and squeeze it for its oil. One is allowed to take grapes and squeeze it for its, for its juices. The, the Mishnah continues, Ein sofkim abay mishum arla, ela al If one takes fruit which is arla, and squeezes them, and then drinks their fruit, one is not over on the isra of arla, with one exception, zeitim va'anavim. Again, olive oil and anavim are considered arla, all other fruit juices are not considered arla. One, if one has fruit which are bikurim, and one takes this fruit up to the mikdash, one must take the fruit itself up to the mikdash, with, again, an exception of zeitim va'anavim, one is allowed to take wine and olive oil to the mikdash as bikurim, 
while all the other fruit must be taken in its fruit form. The only fruit juice which has a din of Tumas Mashkin is only Zaytim Va'anavim. Ein Makivim Al-Gabim Zbeach El Al-Hayotzei Mina Zaytim Va'anavim. The only fruit juice that one brings on to the Mizbeach is only the Yotzei Mina Zaytim Va'anavim, i.e. olive oil, which one takes on to Mizbeach in, in the form of Mincha, and Yotzei Mina Anavim, which one pours as Nisuch Al-Hamizbeach. From this Mishnah, one can reach the conclusion that there's a special halacha, a special gzeres hakasul, that zesim and anavim have a din of a pri. All other fruit juices, as we said, are zea ba'alma. Simply, it's not the pri itself, but rather it's some byproduct of the pri. It's simply zea ba'alma. It's not the pri itself. However, when it comes to zesim va'anavim, there's gzeres hakasul that hayotzei min hazesim va'anavim have a special din of a pri. And therefore, yotzei min hazesim va'anavim, one is makriv on the mizbeach. If one has arla, arla is, is an issa which is chal on the pri. If one has an, a pri which is arla, the juice of the zesim va'anavim is considered arla because it's considered the pri. However, any other fruit juice no longer has a din of a pri. If one takes truma, and squeezes the fruit of truma for its juices. If it's any other pre, it's no longer considered truma. However, if it's yotzei min hazesim va'anavim, it's considered truma because the yotzei min hazesim va'anavim have a din of a pre. According to this approach, there's a special gzeres hakasul, a special halacha that wine and olive oil hayotzei min hazesim va'anavim is considered is defined as the pre. This halacha might not exist by any other pre whatsoever. Regarding every other pre, the juices of the pre are considered zea ba'alma. There's an interesting machlokas among the Rishonim regarding the bracha that one makes on sugar. And right now I'm talking about sugar that's made out of uh, sugar cane that grows from year to year, and therefore basically sugar cane is considered halachically as an elan, as an eitz. According to some ga'onim, the bracha that one makes on sugar cane is a bari pra eitz. Other ga'onim quoted by the Rambam say the bracha should be bari pra adama. The Rambam argues on both these opinions of the ga'onim and says the bracha should be shakon yebidvaro. And his argument is very, very simple. The sugar is made out of the juice that comes out of the sugar cane. Then one takes that juice and processes it and makes it into uh, granulated sugar. The Rambam says, how could the bracha that one makes on granulated sugar, sugar be better than the bracha that one makes on the juice itself? The juice itself would get a bracha of a shakon yebidvaro. That's explicit in the Gemara, on daf lamed That the juice that comes out of fruit is lech ezeya ba'alma, and therefore shakon yebidvaro. If we take this juice and then we go ahead and cook it so that we get, end up with the, with, the, with the crystals, the bracha should be no better than the bracha that makes that one makes on the juice itself. That's the argument of the Rambam. What the, did the Gaonim think? How could the Gaonim argue on the Rambam? It's such a simple argument. Obviously, the Gaonim thought that since one grows 
this, the the uh, the kingdom of 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 sugar, the sugar cane, for the purpose of the sugar. Therefore, it's darkobakach. That's the reason that one grows the cane in order to make sugar, and therefore the bracha on the juice of the sugar cane should be like the bracha that one makes on wine and the bracha that one makes on 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 olive oil. Had an afim for the special bracha that one makes on wine, it would have been a birchas apri. Basically, just like wine and olive oil have a din of a pri, so too the juice that comes out of sugarcane has a din of a pri. And therefore the bracha should be a birchas apri. The only argument is, should it be a bari preis, or is it a bari pri adama? And this argument is regarding a different issue. Uh, since the sugarcane is not a pri it's not a pre which goes on the eight, but rather it's the eight itself. Is the bracha bore priha eight, or is the bracha bore priha adama? On the one hand, one grows the sugar cane for the sugar, and therefore one might consider it priha eight. On the other hand, since it's the cane itself, it's not a botanical pre that forms on the cane but rather it's the juice of the cane itself, therefore it might be a bari priyadama. But that's a different issue which I don't want to discuss in this year. Perhaps we'll discuss it in one of uh, the coming shiurim. But that's, but both positions agree that the sugar cane, the sugar of the sugar cane should get a birchos hapri. Whether priya eight or priyadama is a different issue. But it should get a birchos hapri. However, the Rambam argues on both and says that the bracha should be a shakon yabidvaro because it's the extraction or the juices that come out of the sugar cane. And therefore, it's like dvash tvarim, which is zeya ba'alma, and therefore the bracha should be a shakon yabidvaro. Obviously, the Gaon thought that it's not like dvash tvarim. It's not a shakon yabidvaro because the cane is grown for the sugar. And therefore, this is the peros of the sugar cane. The Rambam, on the other hand, perhaps thought that the reason that one makes a special bracha on Zaysim Va'anavim, on Hayotzim and Zaysim Va'anavim, is Xerz HaKasu, Tirosh V'Yitzar. The Torah said Tirosh V'Yitzar, which is Yotzim and Zaysim Va'anavim. And since the Torah said explicitly Tirosh V'Yitzar, Tirosh V'Yitzar have a din of a peros. However, other, any other juices that come out of any other fruit, would be a shakol yebedvaro, would only be zeh ba'alma, and would be a shakol yebedvaro. Now let's take a look at another subject. The Gemara Brachos, Lama Tesavod Aleph 39a, says as follows. Amrav Papa, Pshitali, it's simple to me. Maya de Silka Kisilka, Maya de Lifta Kalifta, Umaya de Kulishalki Kikulishalki. The juice that comes out when cooking beets, gets the bracha of the beets. The juice that co- comes from cooking vegetables, gets the bracha of the vegetables. In other words, the bracha should be, when you take a vegetable and you cook it, and you get juices from cooking vegetable, the bracha is bore priya adama. This seems to contradict the sugya of meiperos. If you take a fruit and you squeeze out the juice, the bracha is shakon yebedvaro, with zeya ba'alma. On the other hand, if you take a vegetable and you cook it, and therefore you get the juice of that vegetable, 
The bracha is Bechosapri Bore Priyadama. This seems to be a contradiction between the two sugyas. So first of all, there are opinions which understand the sugya and Daflama Tesavar Aleph differently. For instance, the Ra'ah understands the sugya of of Mayidashoki Kishoki in a different way. According to him, if you make the bracha on the vegetable, that potters, that covers the, the, the bracha that one has to make on the juice that comes out of the vegetable. In other words, if you would drink the juice that came out of the vegetable independently, you would make a shakon yabidvaro, because it's zeyab alma, just like the gemara and daflam and However, if you eat the fruit, then you don't have to make an independent bracha on the juice that came out of the fruit. For instance, if you made a bracha on the beets, you would not have to make an independent bracha on the juice that came out of the beets. If you made a bracha, if you cooked, for instance, uh, potato and made potato soup, and you had whole potatoes as well, and you made a bari priyadama on the whole potatoes, you would not have to make an independent bracha on the potato soup. According to the Ra'ah, of course, there's no contradiction between the two, two different subjects whatsoever. Tostos, however, did not accept the answer of the Ra'ah, the explanation of the Ra'ah, and he says as follows, Mayidisilka kisilka, Mivachin alea bari priyadama. You make a bari priyadama on the, the juices that come out of the beets itself. Af api ba ela mayid. Even though the, what you have in the juice that comes out of the beets is only the water, you cooked it in water, the tam hayirakos, and the tam, the taste of the yerek. Nevertheless, mivarech aleem kasher yivarech al hayirakos. The bracha that you make on the, the juice that came out and went into the water uh, that you cooked the, the, the vegetables in is the bracha uh, that you make on the Yerakos, Bari Priyadama. And then he says, Even though we said in the previous sugya on 38a, that juices that come out of fruit is merely it's only like sweat and the bracha is shakol yesh lachalek one can distinguish, distinguish between these two different subyot. One can, 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 can make a distinction. However, Tosis does not clarify what distinction one could possibly make. Of course, based on the Rashibah, one can make a very, very simple suggestion. If we're talking about vegetables that are normally cooked, and maybe one normally makes soup out of them, then it's Darkovakach, that's the norm. That's how one eats these vegetables. One takes potatoes and makes potato soup. And therefore, it's the normal way of eating the vegetable, and it would, be, it would retain its berchos apri. The only time that we say zeaba alma is regarding fruit that one normally eats whole as fruit. If one took them and squeezed them and made juice out of them, then it loses its berchos apri. However, it's something which is darkobakach, it's normally vegetables which are normally taken and cooked and made soup out of. Then it will retain its berchos apri. That would be a very, very simple way of solving our problem based on the shita of the Rashba. The Rush, in a tshuva, in one of his responsa, raises a different distinction between the two different sugyot. According to the Rush, the difference is between a case where we cook the vegetable as opposed to simply squeezing the fruit. In a case where one cooks the vegetable, 
then the ta'am that goes into the water is the ta'am of the fruit itself. On the other hand, when we take a, a fruit and we squeeze it, what the, what you have is the fruit of, is the juice of the fruit, but not the fruit itself. In other words, the fruit that one, the juice that one has in the fruit is not an integral part of the fruit. It's not the body of the fruit. It's not the pre. It's rather the juices. It's rather the water. But it's not the fruit itself. And therefore, Zeya Ba'alma, it's not the fruit. It doesn't get a Be'echus pre. If one would similarly take a vegetable and one would squeeze it and take the juices that one has in the vegetable, that would also be Zeya Ba'alma and the Bracha would be Sha'akon Yabidvaro. But what happens if we take either a fruit, such as an apple, or a vegetable, and we cook it, and then we cook it in water, then the tam, the taste that we have in the water, is not the taste of the juices of the apple, but rather the taste of the apple itself has become liquefied and gone into the water. Then, using a principle called tam ki'ikar, that the taste, if the taste influences a certain, a certain food, that taste has a major impact and may actually define the food itself, that idea of tam ke'ikar may have ramifications regarding the bracha as well. In other words, if one has the taste of the food itself, which does get a be'er chasapri in the water, then that water itself would also get a be'er chasapri. Either pi'a eight, if we're dealing with bar pi'a eight, or pi'a dama, if the vegetable, it was the taste of the vegetable that went into the water. This concept of Tam Ki'ikar, we normally find regarding dinim of Isra For instance, if one had a, 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 a pot of meat soup, and one dropped a little bit of milk in this pot, if the basic halacha is that if one notices the taste, if one can notice the taste of the milk in the meat soup, then it has a din of Basa But if there's so little milk in the soup, that one cannot notice the taste, then basically it's mutter. Normally we use the shear of shishim to know whether it can have the taste or can't have the taste. But the basic halacha is one of tam, one of taste. If one can notice the taste, it's also if one cannot notice the taste, then it's mutter. The same is true regarding ma'achal tzasiros. If one takes something which is asr, if one has some ma'achals which are asr, which, which, which are not kosher, and one puts it in a pot of something which is kosher, the criterion, the basic criterion, if we're talking about something which is a min b'she'en omino, two different types of food, then the criterion is based on whether one notices the tam of the, of the machal sasus, and one does not notice the tam. Of course, this cannot be applied to what's known as the tarovus of min b'mino. For instance, if one has kosher wine, and one drops in it non-kosher wine, then the question of taste is an insignificant question because min domino, one does not notice the taste of the wine anyway. And therefore, one has to use a different criterion. But if one is dealing with min b'she'en omino, for instance, one has, one has uh, a fruit juice, and one drops in that fruit juice some non-kosher wine, that's min b'she'en omino, if one can detect the taste of the wine... Then we say tam ke'ikar. We notice the taste, and since the the, the machal sasuos have influenced the fruit juice, 
Therefore, the fruit juice itself becomes asr. And one is not allowed to drink the fruit juice. That's the idea of Tam Ki'ikar. There's a machlokas, an argument whether the idea of Tam Ki'ikar is Doraisa or not Doraisa, but, ra- but nevertheless, we have this concept of Tam Ki'ikar. According to the Rush, we take the, ta- the concept of Tam Ki'ikar and we apply it not only to Machal Sasuros, but we apply it to Brachos as well. We have water, but this water has the taste not of the juice of the pre, but of the pre itself. Because the way that the tam pre went into the, the water is not through squeezing the fruit, but rather through cooking. Cooking is the way that tam is transferred. And since the fruit was cooked, therefore we have tam kika, we have tam of the fruit or of the vegetable in the water, and therefore a birchas pre is warranted. The Shulchan Aruch, Paskin's the halacha as follows. In Simon Reish Bays, Sif, Sif Hay, no, Sif Ches, he says as follows. Dvash hazav me'at marim, levarech alav shakom. Dvash, that comes from dates, the bracha is shakom, like the Gemara Daflam and Ches. V'chein al mashkim ha-yotzi mikomine peros chutz mizetim v'anavim, levarech shakom. And the same is true regarding any juices, that one squeezes out of out of fruit. The bracha should be shakol. The only exceptions, as we've mentioned before, are hayotzim and hazeisim va'anavim. And then it continues <clears throat> in halach in, in halach yud. Peros shasharon obishlan b'mayim. If the fruit was either soaked or cooked in water, afal pi shenichnas tam hapri b'mayim, even though. Over here we could perhaps suggest tam ki'ikar, that the tam of the pre itself, not simply the juice, which is zeya ba'alma, but the tam of the pre itself has gone into the water. Nevertheless, eino mevarech al osam ha'mayim el Nevertheless, he rejects the, the rush and he says the bracha is shako. V'harash kasav, however, the rush suggested the efshe she'em nichnas tam ha'pri ba'mayim mevarech bro'i According to the rush, since the tam of the pre itself went into the water, the bracha should be bar So the Shukhanach brings the shita of the rush, but seems to pass against the rush that if one either squeezes fruit or cooks the fruit, the bracha is shakol yabidvaro. The bracha of meshakos is brought down by the machaber in simin reish hay. <clears throat> Over there, simin reish hay, sif beis, al hamayim shebishlu behem yirakos. If one takes the, the juices or the water that one cooked vegetables in, then the bracha is bore uh, priha adama. The bracha that one makes on the vegetable itself, that's what one makes on the soup that one, one cooked the vegetables in. So even though the machaber paskins the Gemara and Aflamites, that on vegetables that one cooks, one should make on, on the soup of those vegetables, one should make a bari pradama. Nevertheless, he was not willing to accept the shita of the rush, that if one takes fruit and cooks those fruit, even though time of the fruit itself went into the water, nevertheless, he does not accept the shita of the rush, and he says the bracha that one makes is shakonya bidvarov, and not the birchosapri bari prihai. You have been listening to Arabi Khan in 
the weekly installment of Hilchot Brachot. For today's Halacha Yomit, we pass from the mitzvah of Kriyat Shema to the mitzvah of Zechirat Yitziat Mitzayim. There is a mitzvah, a daily mitzvah, to hear, to remember, to mention the Yitziat Mitzayim, the exodus from the Exodus from Europe. Mitzvah lahaskir Yitziat Mitzayim b'chol yom u'b'chol layla. Most of us are familiar with this mitzvah, specifically from Hagadat Leil Pesach, because the machloket uh, between Rabbanan and Ben Zoma as to whether the mitzvah is by day or also by day and by night is brought down in the in the Haggadah. In fact, there's a dispute as to whether or not Chachamim are really disagreeing with Ben Zoma, or whether or not they were simply uh, disagreeing about the source. Uh, ben Zoma has a source, Kol Yemei Chayecha, Yemei Chayecha Hayamim, the days, Kol Yemei Chayecha, all the days, what does it mean? All, it means even, even the nights. And Chachamim agree to the halacha, but do not agree to the source. The more obvious interpretation is that Chachamim, in fact, think that it's only a mitzvah by day and not a mitzvah by night. But nonetheless, it would appear that there is such a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah which perhaps we don't pay that much attention to since we do it automatically as part of Kriyat Shema, and we all think that there's Kriyat Shema, and then there's, and then there's Tefillah. But it's a very important mitzvah. God said you should do it twice a day, or once a day. Most poskin like Ben Zoma, that it's twice a day. And in fact, it's a very interesting mitzvah. There's a, a, a God wants us, God commanded us, to, to root our lives in the experience of the Exodus. Not only on Pesach, once a year, but that every day, the, apparently the, the, the basis the source of Jewish experience during the day should be rooted in this in this primordial memory that we were slaves in Egypt and God took us out. In other words, the redemptive hand of God is essential that it should be in your consciousness. Day and night, you remember, means you're supposed to remember it all the time by mentioning it by day and night. You remember it all the time. A Jew who's not connected to the redemptive power of God is disconnected from, from Jewish reality. The the Breita that I mentioned, the Mechilta, the piece that appears in Haggadah, all imply that it is Dioraita. And that's how most poskim say. In fact, they say that it's Dioraita twice a day. Uh, the Rabbeinu the Yona in Bechot suggests that it's Dioraita by day, but the Drasha Ben Zoma is only in Asmach, that's not really Dioraita, it's only the Rabbanan. And some Achronim think that the Rambam and perhaps others think that, in fact, the mitzvah is only the Rabbanan. The reason being that in the, the books of Moneha Mitzvah, there are certain books that are dedicated not to halacha, but to simply recording the 613 mitzvot. So in the Rambam, and in the Bahag, and in nearly all the others, with the exception of the Smag, the mitzvah does not appear. If the Rambam thinks that there's a mitzvah to remember Yitziat Mitzrayim every day, then it should have appeared in the Sefer HaMitzvot of the Rambam. There is a mitzvah of Kriyat Shema, in the Sefer Mitzvah to the Rambam, but there is no Mitzvah of Zechirat Yitziat Mitzvah. So one of the answers given is that the Rambam doesn't believe that there is such a Mitzvah. And he, meaning there's no such Mitzvah Midioraita, there's no Mitzvah Menat Torah. But there is, of course, a Mitzvah Midrabanan. Again, as we saw in the past, the Nafkamin, the distinction would be, what happens if you have a Safek? Because if you're unsure, then Safek Dioraita Lechom. If you're unsure whether you fulfilled a Dioraita Mitzvah, you have to do it again. You have to do it. Uh, even if it's again. But if you're unsure whether you did a mitzvah de you don't have to repeat and do it again. 
So that would offhand be the, the distinction. However, it's not true because the Gemara says that Safek Kara Emet V'yatsiv, Safek Lo Kara Emet V'yatsiv. If you're not sure whether you said Emet V'yatsiv, the Bracha, Bracha Tagula, which comes after Kriyat Shema, you repeat it. And Rashi says the reason being because this is the way which we fulfill the mitzvah of Zechirat Yitziat Mitzrayim. And if you're unsure, you have to do it again. Almost all we show him explain the same way. It's the Oraita, and that's why you have to do it again. He who thinks, Shagatariye, who thinks that the Rambam thinks it's only the Rabbanan, would have to say, even though it's the Rabbanan, here Chazal said it's important. It's, it's metaphysically important. The idea is important. And they made an exception to the rule of Safek the Rabbanan, the Kula. And they said, this particular Safek is Lechumra. This Safek you have to uh, ensure that you did it, and therefore you have to repeat it. So again, the simple pshat is that it's the Oraita, but there is this opinion which appears in the Yachonim that perhaps it or part of it is only the Rabbanan. The Nafkamina would not be whether you have to say it again. What other Nafkamina could there be? It's also, I don't think, really connected, but the Yachonim raised the question of whether women are chayav in this particular mitzvah. If the mitzvah is only by day and not by night, Midioraita, then you could draw the conclusion that women are uh, exempt from the mitzvah because it's a mitzvah asay shehazman garama. The Shagat Ayei, which we mentioned in a previous uh, Halacha Yomit, connected to Kriyat Shema, says that even if it's by day and by night, but that doesn't mean it's all the time. It means there are two mitzvot, one by day and one by night. He says the same thing by Kriyat Shema, that there's one mitzvah of Kriyat Shema only by day and not by night, and one mitzvah of Kriyat Shema that's only by night, not by day. And therefore the Shagat Ayyeh says that women are exempt from Sikhirat Yitziat Mitzrayim, even if, as most Poskim say, it's mitzvah by day and by night, but it's two mitzvot, one by day and one by night. His argument is not necessarily correct. Most Achonim disagree. If the mitzvah is by day and by night, twice a day, so it's not two mitzvot. It's one mitzvah that you're supposed to do twice a day. But it's, its time is, its time is all the time. Even if, it would be only by day and not by night, but midrah banan, it's surely by night. And then the question arises, which is a conceptual question, if you have a mitzvah which is uh, a time-based mitzvah, midyoraita. But then midrah banan, it was extended to all time. So are women chayovot now midrah banan? Since the midrah banan level, it's not time-dependent, therefore women uh, are obligated. Or since the basic mitzvah was time-dependent, and you assume therefore women are exempt, so the banan only speak to those who are already uh, included in a mitzvah medyavaita. Uh, they changed the paradigms of the mitzvah medyavaita, but they didn't address a new, a new tzipu. So there is some question. I think, as far as I remember, most poskim agree that women are, in fact, uh, uh, obligated in the, in, the, in the mitzvah. And that's why they say, uh, since most women do not daven ma'aviv, uh, apparently the accepted minhag is that they only have to do the mitzvah once a day, which I think theoretically is a bit difficult, although... I, we've tried to I try to spell out how you could reach how you could reach that um, that that conclusion. It does not correspond to the opinion of uh, most uh, most rishonim. If quantum most rishonim, the mitzvah is twice a day by day and by night, then either the shagat Arya is right, two mitzvot, in which case women are exempt completely, or you chayv all the time, in which case they also chayv twice a day, just like men would be chayavim uh, are obligated are obligated twice a day. Uh, if one did forget, if one did forget, or was one, was, if one is uncertain whether one said emet uh, so then the question comes as to what exactly one has to do, because there is some unclarity in the Gemara 
as to whether or not the mitzvah of zechirat yitzat mitzvahim is emet v'yatziv, emet v'munah at night, and emet v'yatziv by day, or the third chapter of Kriyat Shema, which also speaks of yitziat mitzvahim. The Gemara speaks about both of them. So most poskim agree, all poskim basically agree, the Beit Yosef says that if one knows he said Pashat Tzitzit, but is not sure if you said Emet V'yatsev, then you fulfill the mitzvah with Pashat Tzitzit, because it does mention Yitziat Mitzvahim. The, the, the Beit Yosef quotes an opinion, the Ochot Chaim, in the name of the Rashba, that no, you have to say both. And the Beit Yosef rejects it. Uh, the Bach claims that the Rashba never said it. In the Rashba himself, in the Perush to Masechet Barachot, it would appear the opposite. Uh, but the, the Pshad Neochat Chaim really does appear to be what the Beit Yosef thinks he said, and the Beit Yosef says that it's wrong. Um, but the question then comes, so suppose you're not sure if you said both of them. You, uh, 